Hi, and welcome to this week's Resi podcast. I'm Andrew Teacher, and I'm joined today by Michelle Hancock, who's Managing Director for Development and Construction at Greystar UK, by Val Bagnall, who's Managing Director at Apex Airspace, and by Dave Sheridan, who's the Executive Chairman at Ilka Homes. And guys, we've talked a lot in the past in this market around modular, around prefab, around off-site manufacturing, lots of different phrases that mean absolutely diddly squat to most people in the real world. Michelle Hancock, what do you think consumers think of this? Because you've got one of the biggest pipelines of high-density development in the UK that's using off-site manufacturing, schemes for students, build-to-rent schemes for, for everybody else. You've got lots of people living in these schemes. What do they think? Do they care? Do they know? Do they mind? Are they excited by it? What do you think? Absolutely. I think it's a really good question. I mean, in my opinion, I don't think people necessarily know, nor do they care if it's a modular product. I think what they do care about is the quality of the product and, you know, how it's, if it's sustainable and again, if it's well run. So I think this isn't something that's in the customer's mind. I think it's more around our industry. I think it's, you know, that's what we're all talking about now. But again, I think at the end of the day, the customer's looking to rent a good quality home at the end of the day. I don't think they know, but I also don't think we've surveyed the industry well on this point. And it might be something to do in the future. And, and in terms of Greystar's customers on, on the investments, I'd obviously you partner with a lot of global institutions to fund all sorts of development across the UK, Europe and globally. And some of the major schemes that you have in London right now, such as the large tower in Croydon, that's one of the world's tallest modular residential buildings, currently it is. Um, Obviously, a large regeneration scheme at at Greenford, and and those two are are some of the most sizable off-site manufactured housing projects in the country, aren't they? Absolutely. I think our Croydon project actually is the largest modular tower in in the Your, world, in the world, in the world. So, and, and um, what's given you the confidence to do that? Because you, you know you've gone bigger and higher than anybody else. Absolutely, I think we're very confident about the benefits of modular. I think it's the speed of construction, um, and I think it's really the control of the quality that is and important. That cutting to us. down of the program in half for, for, that drives IRR, doesn't it? Absolutely. So our, we had a program savings of fifty percent on site um, for our first block at Greenford, which for us is is massive. And, and, and Val Bagnall, you've got a bit of a different solution. You're also focused on apartments and on and on building within dense urban environments. But your product is quite different. Do you want to explain, just for people that may not be familiar with Apex Airspace, how you function and what you do? Well, at Apex Airspace, we are trying to make the best use of the, the building land on top of existing buildings. You know, for example, in London we have carried out research that suggests that there's sufficient capacity for 180,000 homes on top of London's roofs currently. So we're trying to unlock that market and contribute towards London's housing crisis. You know, it's interesting as well, of that 180,000, 60,000 sits on top of existing public assets. So there's a possible option there for addressing some of the... So councils are doing a lot more building on, on, on assets they own, and, and, and by using a, an off-site manufactured system, you can deliver that 95% ready. Absolutely, you know, because if you're building on top of existing live buildings, you need to uh, mitigate the amount of time you spend on a roof. 
uh, not least because of weather um, and the general disruption to the local community. So the quicker we're on and off a roof in providing news homes, it's the better solution is for everyone. And how long does it take? So how long are you up on the roof for? We typically, we could be on a roof for probably somewhere between 12 to 20, 20 weeks. So, so, so it's a pretty, pretty big saving compared to what, what you'd normally have to Absolutely. Un- I think, I think there's, there's real productivity gains in modular construction uh, over and above the, the time element. I think there, it's a much more efficient way to build. And, and Dave Sheridan, that, that efficiency, that time, again, that's formed quite a big part of some of the, 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 the major deals that Ilka Home has, has done over this year, including you know, the recent deal at the, at the start of the summer that you secured with Places for People. That was a, one of the biggest modular transactions in the UK market ever. And that was all about a, a mix of different types of housing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, speed, speed is key because obviously Places for People are under pressure from Homes England to deliver houses more quickly through the accelerated programme. Also, the houses are going to developers for open market sale. Um, and come back to one of the earlier points, the customer doesn't care or know if they're modular or traditional. So we've had no pushback in terms of the type of construction. But they look similar, don't they? I mean, it's not like it's you a are home. producing it's, anything that looks... No, it's a, a high-quality precision-engineered home. Um, there's less snagging when we come to handover. The product's more fit for purpose. Um, quite topical at the moment, you know, the amount of snags and the quality of the product that we produce. Um, and because it's built in a factory with quality stations signing off each of the, each of the parts of the build, um, we're, we're confident and comfortable that we're sending out a, a, a better finished product for the end user. And, and, and what needs to happen to move the, the industry forward? Because, I mean, a lot of what Ilka Homes is focused on right now are homes for first-time buyers, but you're able to look at product at a range of price points, aren't you, for all sorts of... Oh, absolutely. Modular doesn't have to be just for the entry-point house. It can be designed, you know, to be aesthetically pleasing on the eye. Uh, we've developed and won the Sunday Times 100 Home Award just over a year ago. That was with, with HTA Design. That was HTA Design who designed that. Um, and hopefully we'll get some on site the early part of the new year. We're, we're actually plotting them plots now on schemes that we're bidding, so that'll be fantastic. And of course, this building big and beautiful is, is you know, one of the big political imperatives that we have, isn't it? Well, there's no re- as I keep saying, there's no reason why modular shouldn't look really attractive to the eye, but, but everybody has a different perception of what, what beautiful looks like. But you, know, you can really dress a modular product in some really stunning aesthetic, aesthetic products. I mean, every McDonald's on, on the motorway you know, is fantastically dressed, and that's all modular products. And, and in terms of, of iconic buildings, Michelle Hancock, clearly uh, the, the, the scheme that Greystar is, is funding in Croydon that, that's being developed by Tide Construction and with Vision Modular Systems, who you've worked with a lot as a business, um, that, I mean, that is going to be a landmark building. There's no two ways about it. Absolutely. It will be a landmark building. I think it's one of the most beautiful facades I've seen. Um, the quality and the time and the detail that went into that was you know, immense. And I think it just goes to show that this product, I think when some people use the term you know, prefab, there, I think in my opinion... They just mean fab, don't they? <laughs> I think there can be you know, a, th- a thought attached to that, that it might mean you know, cheap. Um, but in, is that something? I mean, you obviously, you you come from America, as your voice uh, <laughs> alludes to. Um, but 
does does the American public have that same? You know, I suppose that's that that same memory of, of post-war prefabs. I mean, it seems to be a generational thing here. You could you could argue in, in England. I think it is a generational thing. I don't think we have that perception in the U.S. the same way as we do here. But I think again, it's around the term prefab. So I think the more product that comes out that is the quality that we can show people and take them on that journey, I think that will be really helpful. So you think it's a case of changing a language or changing a product? I think it's a bit of both. And, um, and in terms of, uh, I suppose, in terms of building capacity up, Val, um, obviously, Graystar is, is, is very busy building lots of, of off-site homes with, with Tide and, and Vision. And, and Ilka Homes are, are you know, pioneering a factory, and that's got capacity right, hasn't it, for 2,000 homes a 2, year. 2,000 units, yeah. 2,000 units a year. Um, how do we get more of this happening? What is it we need to do to unlock? If this is all such a fantastic way of doing things, why aren't more people doing it? I, I think, come back to Dave's point, I think we've got to make the customer care about the product. I think we've got to generate customer demand for the product. Because at the moment, it's sector-led as opposed to customer-led, which is actually quite unusual. What do you mean by that? Well, at the moment, the the debate is a very in-house debate about modular and its benefits. And I think we need to extend that debate to involve customers. Don't customers just want a house that they can afford? Well, if we all said that, we'd all be still in the cave, so to speak. But it's something about actually creating something that really they see the value in. Because at the moment, only the industry describes that value and the customer doesn't have a part in it. I think so by generating demand from the customer, because the industry has, this is probably the third or fourth dawn in my understanding of Modular trying to get itself off its knees. And every time the, the economy turns down, the gas is turned off in a lot of the factories. So you think it's a case of emperor's new clothes? A bit of that, but I think there's something about the customer of actually letting the customer see the value of what we do, you know, and as Michaela sort of mentioned earlier, we need some some sort of feedback program to build a sort of a pent and demand for the product, the, pro- the modular product, um, and I think that in itself will generate capacity and actually give the confidence to new factories emerging across the country to produce. If they thought they could sell them. If they thought they could sell them. And, and so Dave Sheridan, what, do, you, do you agree with that? Is this a case of Emperor's New Clothes? I mean, obviously you were previously with Keepmo and, and you know, you've been around the market for a while. Is what we're seeing just another cyclical dawn of the uh, same old stuff? I don't think it is. I think there's definitely been a, a mood shift both in the, the professional client, the, the, the sector, as you, you said, Val, but I also think that, you know, the next generation of people coming through have all lived in modular students. So, so their understanding of the build process is totally different to my generation when I was growing up when you were told to get a mortgage and, you know, invest in your first home. Whereas- I mean, that's the thing. Is because I think we talk about, we're talking about customers here, but there are two, there are two pools of customers, aren't there? If you think there was the actual consumer that will make a decision, I want to buy a home, but they're not going to buy that home necessarily directly from Ilka Homes. They're not going to pick a, a, a home directly from Grace or they're going to rent through Chapter, one of your, your student housing brands, or they might... Uh, they might go to um, they might go to places for people that you've done a deal yeah, with recently. I mean, take, take one of Val's points about customer acceptance. When they see the fuel bills a lot less, and and the modular product is a lot more efficient. Well, that's it, is it? But, and this is the point because you've got you've got you've got end user consumers, but yeah. your customers as a business, 
Ilka Homes are going to be housing associations, same for Apex Airspace. They're also going to yeah. be build-to-rent companies, later living developers, and, and Graystar, Michelle, ultimately your customers are, are, are large pension funds and institutions that are investing money with you because you can potentially manage it better than, than the next, Absolutely. Uh, the next and, developer operator. And I do think we need to show that there's an improved sustainability and improved you know, quality for that customer. Why would they care about living in a modular home? We need to show them, explain why it's better to do that. And so. presumably the, the investors that you're working with globally, top tier institutional investors, they absolutely prioritize ESG now, don't they? Absolutely. And, and, and do you see this as play, do you, do you see offsite manufacturing as playing a greater role in, I suppose, in establishing those credentials for you as a, as a business? I think it, it absolutely does that. I think it's also really important, I think, for policy that we work with policymakers, we work with local authorities, and we establish an education program to explain what modular can be and and the challenges that we're going through as an industry currently and where we would like to be in the next two, three, four, five years, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around it. And, um, and, and Val, like Apex Airspace, again, you've got a, a pipeline of about 3,500 units, don't you? A lot, of your, a lot of your business is with public sector customers. What, what, what's the current vibe from them with, with the product that you're working with? The, 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 I think with, with David Pick, some of that, some of that sort of um, demand is driven by grant systems and spend. So you're talking about housing associations having money. And, and, and council and having this, a spend timeline. And that's actually helping the industry because it's necessitating um, a sort of a, a focus on doing and building as quickly as we can. That's not necessarily, I think, the right outcome all around, because I think, if I could revert back to my previous point, there's something around, um, there's an opportunity at the moment. We have a lot of noise, and the, the conversation is around concept, and I think that that conversation needs to shift the product, and actually the quality of the product, you know, the recent sort of earnings on TV about the poor quality in traditional construction. There's a real opportunity for the industry to stand up and showcase itself about the quality that can deliver and sort of build out some of those defects in, in properties going forward. So I think we just need to move the conversation on now, away from the industry to the product and the customer. It's a fair challenge, Dave Sheridan. I mean, what, how do we do that? How do we focus more on the product than the concept? What are the, the, the fundamental selling points? You talked a bit about halving energy costs versus traditional housing in the UK, which by most standards... I think it's a whole asset management piece. Uh, if you think coming to the, to the greening of the product, it lends itself more to new technology because you've got to factory fit them rather than fit them on site. So it's in a clean environment with precision engineered design around that product. And that means what? It's, it's so you've got ground, waste, source, heat, ground source heat pumps, you can put PV on on site, you can put sensors in the walls... Um, there's less wastage because a bit like the car manufacturing industry, cables cut to size, pipes cut to size. You know, you got very little waste in terms because you can pre-order your boards to come in from the supplier via or the manufacturer via the supplier. Well, what does that mean? But, but coming back to, I mean, Val's challenge is talk about the product. So how does that make a better product? Well, what you're getting is, is, is a precision finished product. So whereas the car industry in the 80s was you know, a red can and the ball in together of shoddy products, and that's reinvented itself now to a highly sophisticated, so you don't get mechanics with greasy hands anymore. You've got technicians 
the building industry has not come forward in that same pace. And I think this gives us a real opportunity to professionalise them buildings so the consumer will see a defect-free product, which is cheaper to run. And for institutional investors, they will see more life cycle benefit because they'll have a, a product they can maintain in a much more structured way than a, in a reactive way that's being currently... And, and if it's being digitally designed, your view would be that you can then itemise the cost Absolutely. of every little component. So, so we're barcoding each of our products. So plot six at, at Acacia Avenue... 10 years down the line, we can bring up not only what the product is, where it was sourced and who fitted it, so the quality control around asset management becomes a much more sophisticated process. And, and Michelle Hancock, as, a, as, as the institutional investor at the table, is that of interest to you, being able to, to look at how you itemise costs and deliver, and be, I suppose, benchmarking that value that you offer your investors? It's absolutely of you know utmost importance. I think as you were talking about that and the product, I was thinking in my mind, I think it's really a capacity challenge right now. And I think it would be helpful if, let's say, on redevelopment of public land, potentially like a portion of that um, was required to be modular or some way so that I think the suppliers and, uh, you know, I think that they could have some guarantee of jobs coming through so that they would know how to staff their jobs and resourcing. So I think there's been a challenge around that. Um, You know, how do we make sure there's a steady flow of jobs um, to supply the factories? So I think that that is a challenge. I'd like to talk about that if you have other ideas. And and what what else, Val, do you think would make a difference in terms of, again, allowing the product to improve? What can can government do at policy level that that allows that investment to come forward? I think that the government at the moment... To be fair, them are trying to support the industry, both in terms of capital investment into the industry and also trying to explore ways to help those new um, providers get on their feet. Um, I do think, however, you know, some of the challenges for new suppliers coming into the market is a revenue problem in actually how the factory is paid. Because at the moment, you've got to switch from construction to production. And what does that mean? So, so for people not familiar with, with this sort of terminology, what does that actually mean? In well, terms it's of- actually moving from building a, building a house in a field to building a, a house or an apartment under a production facility in a factory. And that shift um, needs also to be, be matched by a shift in the thinking of how we fund homes as are being built now. And I think there's a, there's a constraints within the lending community about the new risks attached to how, how those, those properties are funded and built. And for the person trying to get on the floor, is it really fair to say that they should cash flow the site? So there's a real challenger about actually how we overcome the lender's perception of how the cash is managed in that production process. Mm-hmm. And, and I, it's a I fair question. And, and so how, I mean, how have you squared that circle? I mean, I think it's challenging as well, I think because there's a much more intensive kind of upfront commitment of design and um, cash flow. So I think, I think it's just a, it's an educational process. And I think the more product we, we produce as a country and the more comps we have to show, it will eventually just become the norm. So I think we're going to have to work through it slowly and show that the quality is there. And, and Dave Sheridan, from your perspective, what, what does the future look like for you? Obviously, you know, there's a number of large deals you've got under your belt now. 
what else is, does the future look like? Uh, well, well, our vision, ambition is this is the norm. This is this is not going to go away. So we're we're actually planning for factory two, factory three. Um, we've invested in a land team because we believe if we control the design and the specification of the scheme, then we we will guarantee the outputs. We're, we're true advocates that modular is the way forward. So it's being able to offer a, a range of options for your customers in the market. Absolutely. We, 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 we've got to take on Val's point. We, we've, got to, we've, we've got to educate the consumer. We've got to bring them along with us. And we've got to provide the solution. And, you know, I genuinely believe with the skill shortage which has come along in the industry, you know, we'll be well-placed to take advantage of any downtown in, in skills of labour, um, I think with the supply chain issues which have been recently encountered around brick shortages and other such products, we'll be well placed to be able to, to, to move product and change specification to, to keep keep on delivering the homes that the country badly needs. And I mean and just 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 finally going back to Val's point on the consumer, Michelle Hancock, obviously Greystar serves a lot of younger customers through chapter, through its student housing business brand. Do you think, you know, with younger people being probably more, you know, it's fair to say younger people are more attuned to the climate emergency that, that people are now waking up to. Reba has declared this. Other organisations in architecture design have also declared the climate emergency. Do you think that consumer driver could play a, a greater role in how homes are built? I think it absolutely can. I think you're right to say, you know, we're seeing students that are asking the questions and they want to know that the homes they're living in are sustainable and are meeting certain criteria. So I think, you know, we didn't see that happening probably five, seven years ago. And now there's a real increase in that people wanting to know that, you know, it is being met and that we are providing a certain quality. So again, I think it goes back to that sustainability piece, the quality, you know, what is the consumer getting? They do care about where they're living in their environment. It's a lifestyle choice for them as a rental customer. Uh, so yeah, absolutely fantastic point. Well, you'll be able to hear a lot more about this at this year's Resi Convention in a few weeks' time. Uh, so go on the Property Week website for the latest details on that. Thank you very much to Val Bagnall from Apex Airspace, to Michelle Hancock from Star UK, and to Dave Sheridan from Milka Homes. This has been a Resi podcast for Property Week. <laughs>